Hello and welcome to the fifth episode of the 3P Podcast. I'm your host, Stephen Bonazzo, joined with Josh Romowitz and Alex Castle. Well, fellas, we got a lot to talk about today, especially in the New York area. Just so much sports going on, uh, a lot of drama going on within New York between NHL, MLB, and of course the NFL. Um, so I don't want to keep wasting time. Let's get right to it. Um, so the other day, news broke out of the NHL. Pretty big news. Not um, Obviously, the Tampa Bay Lightning won the Stanley Cup. So that was pretty big news out of the bubble. So congrats to them. But also, probably maybe bigger news, the Rangers bought out Henrik Lundqvist's contract. He had what, from as you would know, another year left in his contract. Mm-hmm. And they ended up um, buying him out, basically leaving Igor Shesterskin, the starting goalie. So... Promets, I know you're a huge Rangers fan. This hit you uh, pretty, probably touched you, you know, like close to heart because you grew up just watching Lundqvist. He was heck of a player, heck of a goalie, heck of a leader for that team. Um, I'm not a Rangers fan, so I don't, you know, have that connection too close that you do. So I'll let you start things off and just tell us how you feel about it. I mean, I don't think I stopped crying the past two days when I heard the news. I mean, it was expected. He had a terrible season. He's old. I get it. But he was the heart and soul of the Rangers team ever since he joined our team 15 years ago. He was the Ranger that all of us grew up with and we knew and we loved. We owned his jerseys. We went to the Garden cheering for King Henrik. He's one of the greatest goalies of all time. It's sad that he'll probably retire without a ring. He definitely should have won in 2012 against the Kings. So I feel bad for him on that aspect that he went out without a ring. But it'll be nice to see that number 30 hung up in MSG one day. Yeah, that'd definitely be a special moment. Now, you said that he will retire without a ring. So now my next question was, did you see him just retiring? You know, because he played his whole career in New York. Or do you see him signing with maybe like a contender? Um, you know, Castle, I can get your opinions on this too. What do you guys think he's going to do? First, I would just like to say, um, even though I am a Devils fan, watching uh, Lundqvist play in person and on TV all those years, it was truly something special to watch. Fantastic goalie. I know he did a lot for the New York Rangers organization. So this was definitely something that was not easy for not only them, but the fans. Uh, but to answer your question, Listen, if I'm Lundqvist and and if I've done everything for New York that I've done on and off the ice, I I end the career where I am. I mean, sure, he can easily continue to play. He can have a veteran role on a team, maybe mentor a young goalie. But the the facts are that he's been in the league for, what, 15 seasons now? If I were him, I mean, look at it this way, right? Eli Manning very easily could have played in Jacksonville while Coughlin was still an exec there. You know, he could have continued the career, but he didn't because when you spend your career in New York for the entire amount of time, there's something special about that. And very few athletes can say that they can do that. So if I'm, if I'm Lundquist, I retire where I am. I agree, Alex. He's 38 right now. He, you, we saw the numbers he had last year. He obviously was not the same. He can easily go to another team, but at the same time, this guy poured his heart and soul into New York, and he still feels that connection. 
So if anything, I don't think he'll, I think he'll retire, but I think he'd take a job maybe in Hartford developing goalies or something in the Rangers organization still. That would definitely be a pretty cool, um, you know, job to have, uh, especially, you know, the Hartford Wolfpack, they have, they have some guys and they had, you know, Igor Shetchkin most of last year. And when Igor took over, I mean, he really did well. He was the reason I believe the Rangers made it to the playoffs. Cause again, promise like you brought up earlier, Lundqvist, his playing days, his better playing days are behind him. You know, he's still a solid leader to have. He still was a good presence in that locker room. But every time they, he started, it just seemed that, like, the Rangers had a chance to lose because he just wasn't as good as he was back in his prime. Promise, do you have another uh, note, Ted? Yeah. I mean, we saw in the playoffs also – Dan Quinn had a very tough job. We had three goalies as options for the series against the Hurricanes. We had Lundqvist, Shesterkin, and Gorgiev. And for the first two games, they, he went Lundqvist. Even though Lundqvist didn't get as, many, as much playing time, he was struggling. He turned to him for that veteran, okay, you've been in the playoffs before. This is your team. We're hoping we get solid outings. And that kind of just – we saw four goals allowed – whatever he he lost a step and it's sad but it 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 is what it is i'm he he, he's got to retire he's got to go out his better playing days are behind him exactly i mean listen happens to everyone some like there's a few exceptions lebron i mean granted lebron is still three years younger and it doesn't seem like much but those three years really do matter especially at that stage um but at one point everyone's best playing days are going to be behind them just because as you get older you just you know your reaction everything just starts to slow down it's just the way of life the way of you know the body so but yeah we definitely you got to give props to what Lundquist did for um the rangers in that organization so Whatever he does in the future, whether it's a front office job, a coaching job, promise like you mentioned, you know, we wish him the best. And, um, you know, hopefully he stays around for the Rangers organization because he's definitely, you know, just a great presence to have. Now switching over to another New York team, um, the New York Yankees. Yeah, let's go. They uh, had me really nervous last night. And it was a very late night, too, because the game. Late morning. (laughs) Yeah. The morning, or uh, the game last night was delayed. Then they started, and it was delayed again. I mean, it really didn't start really happening until what nine o'clock, something like that. It didn't end until like one thirty. Oh my gosh! Luckily, I had a late class this morning, so I got to get some sleep. But if I had one of my early classes, that would have been uh, a little rough. But listen, they pulled it out. You know, beat the Indians in you know two games. Uh, this wild card series of the new playoff format and then will be, you know, best out of three. So I want to hear you guys, you know, thoughts on that. Uh, Castle, you can start. So first off, I think the format is very exciting. I think it just adds a lot more to the game in general. Really glad to see the MLB did that in terms of the series. I mean, look, there were, there were great moments. I mean, we got, you know, we got use out of our big time players like, you know, Stan and, and judge and, you know, we also got to see some of the, you know, not 
not degrading their play or anything, but not the superstars. Like, you know, Gio, he's stepping up last night. So guys like that, I really think make – I think that's what really helped us out in the series. Um, the one thing that I will say is, is that I kind of expected more out of this team. I mean, maybe that's just because of what I saw from them uh, when the season resumed, um, at the, you know, during the pandemic and everything. I mean, they were just pulling out win after win, and that's the kind of team that I thought that I was going to see. But, you know, as we all know, injuries occur. Teams don't play, you know, as we hope. But at the end of the day, I liked what I saw out of this Yankee team. And I look forward to watching them in the next series. Yeah, Thomas, go ahead. Yeah, I want to jump on what you said, Castle, because in a way I kind of disagree. Because the way they played last night really impressed me. And I was texting Steve last night. I was like, wow, this was a boring game. 19 walks combined. It, it was boring. But the more I thought about it today, I was like, no, that just showed patience in the batter's box by both teams making the pitchers work. They threw so many pitches, drew a lot of 3-2 counts. Yeah, there were a lot of strikeouts, but it just showed the patience to draw those long at-bats. And that's what you want to see in playoff baseball, work the count, work the pitchers. Both starting pitchers were gone by the fourth inning. And it was a bullpen game, and it was exhausting for both teams having to go through their entire bullpen in the second game of a wild card. But – we saw every single Yankee drawing long counts and not swinging and flying out or grounding out in first pitches. It was impressive. Definitely. I totally agree with you, Promise. I mean, listen, the first game, the Yankees just dominated. Garrett Cole, 13 strikeouts. And that's what we signed him. We needed an ace like that, and we needed someone who can dominate a game. And then the Yankees – you know, because of how well he pitched, the Yankees didn't need it. You know, they could have scored four runs and won that game. But they ended up putting 12 runs. Even, you know, later in the innings when they already had a huge lead, they just kept hitting the ball. So that was impressive. Then yesterday, it was a little disappointing to see uh, playoff Tanaka not do well like he usually does in the playoffs. Um, maybe he needs the fans. But, you know, it was he struggled it a little bit. But you know what? The offense just stepped up, and they were down early, but it didn't matter. They kept fighting back, and that's why I love to see this team did not stop. You know, they did not quit. Um, they just kept going after it. So then they, you know, took the lead after Urshela's grand slam, which was huge, and then they lost the lead. You know, the game was tied, and then they tied. It just kept going back and forth. I mean, it, the ninth inning is when they took the lead and ended up winning. So they could have easily just said, oh, this lead's too big, or, oh, like, we can't, you know, and just kind of give it up and not really be patient or just try to swing it. But they were, promise to your point, patient. Getting those walks were huge because then when you got a guy on, like, DJ LeMahieu up at bat, there was guys on base, and you know he does well. And Eric Hubbs, um, a Barcel, his favorite um, saying in his tweets are death, taxes, and then DJ LeMahieu with runners in scoring position. Because every time there's runners in scoring position, LeMahieu comes up at bat, he seems to always drive at least one run in. And he did that again in the ninth inning. Huge. And Chapman, you know, looked pretty solid at um, the bottom of the ninth inning to seal the deal for us. So, you know what? Listen, the Indians were not an easy team. A lot of people 
they may not be the same team from the 2016 World Series against the Cubs when the Cubs won, but they're still not a pushover. They're still not a joke. Um, so, listen, for the Yankees to walk out of Cleveland in two games and move on is definitely a good thing and impressive, but now they got Tampa Bay, and they – listen, those bats need to keep up because Tampa Bay's pitching – you know, usually shuts teams down and they shut the Yankees down during the regular season. So let's just hope that they can keep it up. Uh, the Rays are inexperienced in the playoffs. The Yankees have a lot of experience, especially the past couple of years now. Guys like Judge, even Stan now has two years worth of postseason baseball, even though he hasn't played that much during the postseason. He's been there now. He's played into late September, October. So they got a big series coming up and I'm looking forward to it. I know you guys are looking forward to it. But I know you guys are not have not been looking forward to every Sunday, Ugh. and especially or Thursday or, Thursday. or, or uh, Thursday night, especially um, Thursday night when the Broncos, the Denver Broncos, travel to uh, MetLife to take on Promises Jets, and then Castle, you Giants got a tough <laughs> road matchup against the LA Rams. So you have a human wrecking ball coming at Danny Dimes this weekend. It's, it is, I feel bad for both teams, and there is a lot to talk about. I mean, both teams just have struggled. They have not looked good at all. I'm just being completely honest. It's not just me. I know you guys will agree to that, and just every NFL fan will agree to that. So now the big question going along with the Jets and Giants is a quarterback situation. Now, the Jets took Darnold what, two years ago, 2018 draft? Was it third overall pick? Or yep. third right overall pick? One. Yep. And you guys moved up for that one, right? With the Colts? Yeah. With the yeah. Colts. And then Castle, the New York Giants, took Daniel Jones, sixth overall, 2019. Moved now to get him as well. So, listen, Jones had an impressive rookie season. But now this season's been definitely a struggle for him. And then same thing with Darnold. Darnold has, you know, Darnold at the end of last year really finished the year off well, but now this year has been a struggle. I want to, I want to basically ask you guys straight up, like, do you believe in these guys? Do you want to give it more time or do you think that they're not franchise QBs and you know what, maybe Trevor Lawrence or a guy like that may be uh, the man. So you know, I'll go with Castle first because I know Promise has a lot to talk about. So, Castle, since Daniel Jones still, you know, is very young in this league, I want to kind of gauge your opinion of what you think. So, first, to, let me start off by saying I'm very disappointed with Jones this season. You know, as a Giants fan, Giants are the number one sports organization that I follow across all sports. So, you know, just what I had been hearing about Jones during the offseason, what I had been hearing from coaches, executives, it seemed like to me that they were really working with him. He was working on his body. He was working on his ball control. He was continuing to develop the relationship with Slayton. So that sounded great to me. And then on top of drafting Andrew Thomas and reworking the offensive line, I was like, okay, it's going to take some time to develop, but we'll get there. And what I'm seeing out of Jones is no improvement whatsoever. He can't work with the routes that, I mean, look, yes, 
not having Shepard and Barkley hurts because those guys, you know, Barkley takes off a little bit of pressure. Obviously, he improves the run game tremendously. Working Shepard in the slot also takes off pressure. He provides a lot for Jones in the inside game. But at the end of the day, you know, Jones just isn't working with what he has. He's still fumbling the ball like crazy. He's still making really dumb turnovers. Look, I still believe in Jones. Am I starting to lose faith in him a little? Yes. Because I'm sorry, but there's just some things that he's doing that he really should not be, that he's continuing from last year. So there's that. And then your question about him being a franchise quarterback, I can't answer that right now. I know a lot of people think that he's not. I know that there are a lot of Giants fans that are ready to count him out, but I'm not ready to count him out because I do think the kid has got a lot of talent. I mean, you look at the way that he runs. He, there was a point in the game last week, we had 49 rushing yards and the running backs didn't even break 30. I mean, it, it, it's truly incredible. So I think Jones needs to really pick his, pick his game up. I'm very concerned about the game against the Rams especially with how young our, deep, our offensive line is going up against Aaron Donald. So I don't really know what, what it's going to be like going into this week, but one thing that, that Giants fans and people in that organization need to keep in the back of their mind is, is it time for Gettleman to go? And that's where I'm leaving it. Hey, listen, you brought up some good points. And, um, you know, it, I'm, I'm torn on Daniel Jones myself because last season he really did do well. And he was at Duke, which is not a powerhouse college football team. He did well for them. So I was pretty high on him. And obviously, you know, going back to last year, he looked really good. And it was like, you know, if he can do this with this team, and supposedly you guys made improvements to the online, getting Andrew Thomas, and you had Shepard, all these guys healthy again, but then, of course, they got hurt. So it's definitely tough. Um, also, the play calling Jason Garrett hasn't seemed like the play calling has been there like he's calling the right plays or it just kind of I don't know I haven't been um I was actually thinking that Jason Garrett coming into the season would do well um the Giants would actually if they scored a lot of points under Pat Shermer that maybe Jason Garrett coming from the Cowboys they usually put up points even though he didn't call the plays like you know he still was coaching the team so I was looking forward to it, but he has not impressed me in the slightest. So like you said, I'm not ready to – I mean, I'm not a Giants fan, but I'm not ready to, like, say the Giants should give up on Daniel Jones. But he does need to take a step because usually franchise quarterbacks, doesn't matter what they're working with, usually they can overcome, you know, adversity. And so far, Daniel Jones seems to be struggling with this. And the same thing is with Sam Darnold and the New York Jets and Fromitz. Bromwitz, this is your time to shine. I know you've been waiting for this moment to let loose and just say whatever you're going to say. So have at it. It's sad that the Jets are basically an underdog at home against another 0-3 team. It's against a quarterback making his debut, a third-string quarterback. It, it baffles me, Steve and Alex. I don't know where to begin. I mean, I guess I got to start with my weekly fire Adam Gase because we're getting nowhere with him running the team. But I saw a report today that um, 
win or lose that his job is safe. So that's obviously not something Jet fans want to hear or like. Greg Williams is more than capable running this team. He proved when he was with uh, Cleveland as the interim head coach that he's more than capable. So that baffles me. <sighs> Sam Darnold, though, um, last week I was talking about how I saw some improvement from Darnold. And I guess I jinxed myself when he when he threw four interceptions against the Colts. Two of them pick sixes. He got sacked. Him, he cost the team the game. He gave up 16 points himself against that Colts defense. So any fantasy owners who had the Colts defense probably won their league. Um, Busted me my game last week. My opponent had that defense. So thank you for that. Sorry about that. I'll take the blame on that one then. And... Am I ready to give up on Darnold? And I'm going to say no, because he is playing without his top running back in Le'Veon Bell. The Jets are without their top three wide receivers. No Jamison Crowder, no Brashard Perriman, no Denzel Mims, who has yet to make his debut. It's tough for Darnold to get to feel comfortable when the O-line is not great to begin with. And he's his top wideouts are supposed to be fourth, fifth, sixth stringers who really haven't seen first reps up until the games, basically. And Gase's play calling is just atrocious. It's not helping Darnold's. I, I'm lost. All Jet fans are. I don't know why Gase is still coaching. He hasn't showed any excitement in our team he's boring i i don't know i'm at a loss of words but darnold is not the is not he is a reason but he's not the main reason well i think let's see no that's a good point you brought up if the giants were to or not the giants the jets they were to fire gase and bring in a new coach and not even darnold, a new coach not even a new coach well, new. I would say, I would say an offensive coordinator because Greg Williams could be our head coach, and he's calling the defensive side. Okay, so you bring in a new offensive coordinator, whether it's a similar scheme as Gase's offense or a completely different. See if he can thrive in that. If he can't thrive in that, or at least be consistent and do pretty well and win football games, then you know, you know what, he's not our guy. Maybe he'll do well somewhere else. Maybe he just was very successful in college, like a lot of guys are, but they can't just they can't play at this level. So, you know, it, listen, all three of our teams have very interesting quarterback situations. Between yeah, let's Jones, talk about the Bears now. Darnold and now the Bears. I before go ahead, go, Castle. I just wanted to say that. I am very surprised that this happened so quickly, and I'm sure you kind of feel the same way, but I think they should have rode with Trubisky a little longer, but I want to hear from the, from the man himself now. So on the man. So uh, listen, <laughs> it's tough because I, I you kind of get that feeling that once the Bears traded for Nick Foles, Nagy wanted Foles to be the guy all along, and they, for good reason. But he knew that – you already know what Nick Foles is. 
you know what you're going to get from Nick Foles basically every Sunday. You know, he's going to have good games. He's going to have bad games. But, you know, he can read a defense. He can go out and, you know, basically make you competitive during the game. Um, he's going to be pretty consistent. That being said, Mitch still had some unknowns. So, just like Jones, Mitch worked very hard this offseason. Um, he rehabbed his shoulder. And I've said this in past episodes. You know, he was trying to do everything, you know, certain things different and just try to do the right thing. So, get his body right. He was working with separate, like, QB. Um, he's working with, you know, obviously, Nagy and John D. DeFlippo. But he was also working uh, like outside um, quarterback training camps with guy, you know, the same guy. I think he helped train Mahomes. So just because you work with this guy doesn't make you, you know, turn into Mahomes because that's more just you know, like uh, raw talent that you just possess. But basically, what I'm trying to say is he was taking steps to try to better himself. Um, and a lot of people were impressed. His teammates, coaches. And, you know, he didn't do too bad the first couple of weeks. He led the comeback against Detroit. He looked solid against the Giants' first half, but then kind of slumped. But the Falcons game, just the Falcons, even though they put up points, they allowed a lot of points. But their defense was just stopping our offense. And it just, throughout that Falcons game, and even second half of the Giants game and most of the Lions game, you saw the same inconsistencies that you saw all of last year, except last year we had Chase Daniel as a backup, so he's not really a guy to just roll with. You can roll with Nick Foles. He's a Super Bowl champ. He may have not started a full 16-game schedule, but games he started, he's done very well. So you can rely on a guy like Nick Foles. So even though it came a lot sooner and kind of out of nowhere, to be honest, you know, I think a lot of people – we're expecting this at some point. They were shocked when Mitch was named starter. And a lot of people just felt once the news broke, Bears trade for Nick Foles and with the contract, even though they restructured it so it wasn't as expensive, they're like, there's no way that this guy's just going to sit on the bench with this contract and basically being a guy that Matt Nagy has liked um, to just sit on the bench. So... I'm glad that Nagy gave Mitch a last chance because what if Mitch really did break out? Um, unfortunately, he didn't. I feel bad for the guy because he's not – he's a good person, a great teammate. He tries to just do everything the right way. Unfortunately, there's more to that. Um, so he just really just couldn't handle the quarterback position for the Chicago Bears. Maybe he'll find success somewhere else. I don't really believe the Bears will extend him. I – as much as I do like Mitch, I don't think it's the right choice to do that. And anyways, you know, there's really – you saw what you got from Mitch. It wasn't what you need. Um, so, I think the Bears will keep riding with Nick Foles for the rest of the season. And uh, I know you guys have some points. So, Castle, I'll go first. I think the way that I see this whole Trubisky situation, I think he's underappreciated by the Bears. And, and, and here's why. I think – Trubisky is the type of guy where you put him in a system that's rebuilding because I do like him. I think he's a great young quarterback. I think he's got, I do think he has talent. I do think he has good leadership skills, but he's still got to develop a lot. 
And I just don't think Chicago's in that position. They've got talent on both sides of the ball. They can really make, make themselves known in the NFC North, but they can't do that with Trubisky. So you bring in a guy who's won a Super Bowl, a crazy Super Bowl, who's put up the numbers, who's had the contracts with other teams. It, it makes sense to me. And, and it makes sense why they're not extending him. And, and frankly, for Trubisky's own sake in his career, I do hope he finds success with another team. I just don't see him having too much more success in Chicago going forward. I yeah. totally – yeah, sorry if I want to take you off. No, uh, you're good. You're good. I'll let you go since you're the Bear fan. No, I just – I, I uh, everything you just said, Castle, like I totally agree with. Um, maybe another coach or team players can get something out of Trubisky that the Chicago couldn't. Um, or, you know, maybe he just – I don't know. I He's just – it's tough with Mitch and it's like a, it's a unsettling like feeling too, because you know, this guy, this guy has dominated games. This guy has shown times where he could, you know, maybe be the guy. Um, and he's not, like we said, he's not a bad teammate. He's not a bad player, like, you know, attitude wise. Um, so that's why it just like makes me a little sick to my stomach because he had a lot of high hopes, a lot of um, pretty high expectations coming in. And unfortunately, he just hasn't been able to achieve them, at least in Chicago. Um, we'll see what he can do going forward from us. I know I cut you off, so I'll let you finish your point. My big thing is, what is Nick Foles' kryptonite when he's been in the NFL? Injuries. I worry that this move was made too soon because it allows for a higher chance that Foles gets injured. Cause it seems like every time he steps on the field and when he dominates injuries, unfortunately cut his season short. And I thought this move would have been made around the mid season. Mark would have seen how Trubisky done halfway through. And if he still was struggling, then they turned to Foles to ride out and make that playoff push. But I guess it, it is the right move rather sooner rather than later. So if right now they're 3-0, and they could ride uh, with Foles and make a, make a push in that uh, division. But I don't know. It, it caught me by surprise. Oh, yeah, it definitely caught everybody by surprise. But now you have that gut feeling. You have to go with your gut. And, you know, that's similar to us in fantasy. If you have that gut feeling, you got to go with it. So last week we started our now um, weekly segment, Stardom and Sidums. So uh, I think some of our guys that we said to start did pretty good. Some we told to sit ended up doing better than we would have thought. Um, so it was a pretty, you know, interesting first week of doing that. Um, Steve, I don't mean to interrupt. I have a question for you, though. Yes, who, yes. Who do you know? on the Raiders staff because you with the Waller call, like I, I was very shocked by that. I'm my inside connections. The name is John Gruden. <laughs> no, listen, I just, just doing some research and looking at the matchups. I just, I knew the Patriots just 
played have they've been stopping tight end production and with Waller coming off um, Monday night it was a little banged up I just didn't feel confident and listen yeah he didn't if you listen to me you would have made the right choice if you didn't you might have been a little disappointed unless the rest of your team went off so yeah no that was a I was quite not shocked but I thought um when he I mean he really did not produce at all that game I thought maybe he would produce a little more, but not too much. But I mean, he really did not do well. So I was proud. I was like, I was kind of, I'm proud of myself that I made that, you know, I don't even have him, but to um, made that call. Uh, Farmers, you have son? Yeah. I mean, I'll be honest, that call blew, blew me away. But also, my pick that I had as a sit on, DJ Moore, he didn't do that well either. So I'm kind of proud on that one. My other picks, though, kind of, flip-flopped I had Russell Gage as a starter and he kind of was terrible I think it was like four points that he he produced and people probably started him so that was terrible Devin Singletary I had on my bench and he put up points but it I don't I still don't trust him I traded him away yesterday kind of happy about that yeah Singletary did a little better than I would have expected but I I think you trading him was definitely the smarter idea. I just don't really have faith in him going forward in the season. Um, Castle, any of your picks that you notice? Um, I know for me, before I, before you, um, I let you go. Jonathan Taylor, I thought he would do a lot better against that Jets defense. Their defense, but, their defense put up all the points. Well, then, yeah, their defense basically won them the game. So, uh, I mean, Jonathan Taylor did score a touchdown, so that. I mean, he scored double-digit points. You can't be mad, but I thought he was really going to have a field day against That's the Jets. Okay. He'll have this. He'll have this week to put up a field day. Not against Chicago, though. No. Oh, uh, we'll see. Yeah, hopefully not. Um, but Castle, <laughs> any of your picks that you noticed did well, or that you um, thought would do well, or did bad that you thought maybe would do well? I don't know. Yeah. So Tom Brady surprisingly played a great game. I really underestimated that. I really thought because him going into Denver with him still working out with that offense, um, but he ended up having about 24 points in fantasy. So, but hey, I do have Mike Evans in a league. So his production made me happy about that. Um, I was also- yeah, you have two catches out. for two yards. <laughs> um. But I was also off about Robert Woods. I really underestimated how much Goff was going to use him in the game. Um, the one I was right about, though, was uh, Jarek McKinnon. I mean, I think most people could have called that playing against the Giants defense. He had some great catches. I think he had, what, Josh, two touchdowns the game? So yeah. that was the win that one. right about it then. Miles Sanders, I'm just not going to ride with any Eagles players at all going forward. I mean, the fact that they tied with the Bengals, I, I mean, I, I don't like the Eagles, obviously, but come on, like, that, that was just pathetic. <laughs> so that's how I did in terms of my picks. Well, you know what, Castle? Since you just talked about your last week's picks, how about you start off with this week's picks? All right. So for my two stardoms, number one is the quarterback out of Jacksonville known as Gardner Minshew, a.k.a. Uncle Rico. Love this guy. He's really exciting. He's really fun to watch. I'm really glad that, he, that Jacksonville has made him their guy. Um, and the reason why I'm picking him for this week, so they're going up against the Bengals. 
you look at what you look at the Bengals defense the first three weeks, right? Gave up 16 points against the Chargers, gave up 35 against Cleveland, gave up 23 against Philadelphia. Gardner had four touchdowns his opening game of the season. Combination of that, combination of how he's been working with his offense, what I've seen from the Bengals defense, it's a no-brainer. Go with Minshew. Don't be shocked if he's not the number one quarterback in fantasy this week. And then my other stardom, I'm sorry, Josh, is Melvin Gordon. Um, I not really confident about the Jets defense. I think that Melvin Gordon is going to have a good night. I think they're going to rely on the run game a lot. I don't think Denver's going to pass a whole lot. Could be wrong, but those are my two stardoms for the week. Um, I'm going to jump on that. I could see Melvin Gordon going off because we know in past years he's been a tank with the Chargers. Really hasn't produced much this year. And he needs that one game just to break out and insert himself in that Broncos offense. And I can definitely see tonight being that night against a weak Jets team. Prime time, babe. What better night to do it? Prime time, Monday, uh, Thursday night football. I, I'm worried for sure that the Jets just end up going 0-5, 0-4, whatever they are at this point. I don't even know. It'll be, it'll be very interesting. So those are, my, those are my two picks for the week. If you got Minshew on your bench, definitely bring him up. And if you got Gordon at number one, number two running back, keep him. Hey, he could even be a valuable flex tonight. I usually don't like going with running backs in the flex, but Gordon tonight could be a solid one. I actually do have Melvin Gordon in my flex because Chris Godwin got hurt, so I had to move Robert Woods, who's usually my flex, to my second receiver spot. And then I was torn between Montgomery and Melvin Gordon. But I know um, – Melvin Gordon is going against the Jets, so I think I might go there. Um, Fromwitz, I want to hear your stardoms. Yeah, so I mentioned how uh, I traded away Devin Singletary, who was my sit I actually traded him for one of my guys who's going to be my stardom this week. That's uh, Arizona Cardinals running back, Kenyon Drake. And Drake is the, the number one running back for the Cardinals. He gets carries every single game. He's gotten 15-plus carries. Uh, last year, when he got traded from Miami, we saw his usage go up. He had eight touchdowns in the second half of the season. And so far, he only has one that touchdown that he got in the first in the first week of football. And he has no hundred yards hundred yard games. But this week, he's going against a weak Carolina Panthers defense. They're twenty first in rush defense, allowing one hundred twenty one yards a game. I expect this to be his breakout game take some pressure off Kyler Murray, who's turning the ball over a lot, and that he'll settle in once uh, he gets Drake going. So that's my first stardom. And my second is also on my team. He's my flex. That's Mr. Tyler Boyd. And Tyler Boyd is quietly having a great season for the Bengals, and no one's talking about him. Last two weeks, put up 20-plus points in fantasy, having seven and ten catches each. And this week, he goes against Castle's favorite team, the uh, Jacksonville Jaguars, apparently, whose secondary is kind of young, and they're not great in the pass defense. They're 19th alive and 248 yards of the air. And the Bengals like to air it out. Joe Burrow is throwing the ball a lot as a rookie. They're second in the league and plays pass attempts 
as well as completions, and they're in the top 10 in yards. So with that being said, that allows for targets for guys like A.J. Green, Joe Mixon out of the backfield, and Tyler Boyd. So Tyler Boyd, I think, will once again have another great week. Those are interesting picks, Farmwitz. Um, you know, I, I do like the Kenyon Drake pick. Um, I have Kyler Murray as my QB, and he has been turning the ball over way too much, way too much. So, uh, so I'll share mine. And the first one is – I'm sure a lot of people would start him regardless, but definitely start him this week, DK Metcalf. This dude – is just a monster. There's no way around it. Um, and he's got Russell Wilson as his quarterback. If you have whoever has Russell Wilson as your quarterback, is going to do well. Um, I mean, I have Tyler Lockett in my leagues, and he's been doing well. But I wish I had Metcalf too because Metcalf has gone almost a hundred yards in every single game, and he's got he had over a hundred last week, and he scored a touchdown at least every game, and he should have had two last week, and that one was just basically on his part, being stupid. He should have just held the ball high and tight, just run into the end zone, said he had it out, was kind of showboating a little bit. Not anything crazy, but then the Cowboys um, rookie corner, Trayvon Diggs, just kept hustling, made a good play, and forced a fumble. And then, you know, (laughs) the rest is history. But but Metcalf screwed me last week because his last second touchdown and the points, because I was playing against Metcalf, um, I ended up losing because of the last second touchdown on those points. But this week, starting, he's going against Miami. Uh, Miami's secondary isn't the worst, but they are still not the strongest. And I believe they still may be without their starting corner, Byron Jones. Jones was out last week against the Jaguars. Um, listen, you know, Russell Wilson has played some good defenses already, and he shredded them. The Patriots, the Cowboys. Uh, you know, Russell Wilson's thrown for what, like 14 touchdowns already. So, you know, DK expects him to be a threat. And, you know, if they want to focus all their attention on T- uh, Tyler Lockett, then, then that just leaves Metcalf wide open or either or. So I think Metcalf is going to have a good week again. I mean, he's been getting basically around 17 points per game every week. That's very, really, really good for a receiver so whether you have him at wide receiver one wide receiver two or a flex definitely start him in your lineup I mean I just I don't see a a way for him not to have a good game even if he doesn't get 17 points like usually does if he still can get like 13 14 15 I mean that's still pretty solid too and my next one is James Robinson James Robinson uh the rookie running back for the Jacksonville Jaguars. I know, um, Castle, you were high on Minshew, but I'm kind of, you know, not totally high on this guy, but you can't deny what he's done. I mean, last week against the Dolphins, didn't have that many yards, but he had two touchdowns, and he had, I think he did pretty good receiving too. Um, he's a fifth-ranked running back in some leagues. You know, he had 83 receiving yards last week, and then week two against Tennessee, he had over 100 rushing yards and a touchdown. And he's going against a Bengals defense, and they've allowed, um, I think it was like 100 rushing yards in every game so far. So whether that's by just one back or multiple backs, you know, they have allowed over 100 rushing yards. So 
Robinson, he's trying to make a name for himself in this league. He's done pretty well so far, and he's going against a pretty good matchup against a Bengals defense. So whether he gets many yards and not a touchdown or if he gets some touchdowns again, I think um, last week he had almost 30 points. So I think he's a good flex spot or running back two spot. So I would say if you have him, start him. And, um, you know, hopefully he does well for you. So now we talked about the stardoms. This is a big one, sit Some guys that, you know, it's tough to make that decision who to start, who to sit. So from which I know um, you have one guy that, you know, I like, and I'm torn between, you know, the Melvin Gordon and Montgomery. So from which I'll let you uh, take it away. Okay, so I'll start with that. It's my first one since you just touched on it. David Montgomery is one of my sit-ems. And I'm going to be a little biased for a second. They're playing the Colts this week, and that Colts defense is legit. I know they tore apart the Jets team, but they are the Jets. Some people might think, oh, it was an easy win. It's the Jets. That's why they had a lot of turnovers. But they are the number four defense in rush defense and number one in pass defense so that's gonna be a tough challenge for the bears regardless their primary back has not rushed for more than 60 yards in a game so they have faced dalvin cook and frank gore and james robinson i believe those are the three running backs that they have faced so far which are pretty good running backs Montgomery has struggled to find holes all year. His only successful game this year was against the Giants. So, Steve, if I were you, I would start Melvin Gordon over Montgomery. I don't think Montgomery will be able to find those holes, and it'll be a tough game for Nick Foles to make his starting debut. And my second, which will make a lot of Giant fans happy to hear, is sit Carson Wentz. And I guess that's kind of an obvious at this point in the season. Carson Wentz is kind of terrible this year. Three touchdowns, six interceptions, one fumble. Eagles are 0-3 or 0-2-1, sorry. And it just doesn't get easier for them. They're playing the 49ers who, yeah, they're hurt, but they still have the number two pass defense in the league. They have no Nick Bosa, but their pass rush is still very good. The Eagles are also very injured. They don't have Dallas Goddard, who is one of Wentz's favorite targets, and he's a big target. Now it's just up to Zach Ertz. But it's going to be a tough game for the Eagles to win at San Francisco. I just don't see it happening. Wentz has been very inconsistent all year. So those are my two. It's going to be a tough game. So, um... Castle, I would let you go, but mine kind of goes um, pretty hand-in-hand with promises. So my first sit is Zach Ertz. And <laughs> basically to almost every point you made, Wentz has been very inconsistent. He has struggled. Um, so I just don't – you know, I know Ertz usually is his guy, but the 49ers defense, like you said, is the second – you know, um, they're the second best in – Pass defense. Pass defense. So, and they have limited every tight end they have played. Um, I have some stats up right now. So, sorry, I'm just finishing pulling it up. They, 
Sorry. So here we go. I got it. So against, listen, they haven't played the best tight ends, but the tight ends they have played, they have only allowed seven catches for 61 yards. Now, Zach Ertz is way better than the Cardinals tight end and, and the Jets tight end. And I mean, listen, Engram has been really well, not this season, but in past seasons, but this season he hasn't done too good. So, I mean, my tight end pick to sit him last year, last week with Waller is spot on. So I think I may be, you know, onto something maybe with Zach Ertz again. I just, I don't know. I just don't see him having a strong week this week. Or you just um, hate tight ends. <laughs> I might just hate tight ends too, because for whatever, maybe because of Bears struggles at tight ends last season. I don't know, but uh, I just, even though he's a, good player and he's been very solid in the past i just think everything all the eagle struggles this week and just the matchup against the 49ers is just not ideal and then my second one uh antonio gibson sit he is uh washington's one of washington's running backs he was um at memphis he played receiver and running back he was like very um you know played multiple positions However, you know, he's getting more looks at running back, even if he gets catches out of the backfield. The only thing, though, with him is he hasn't really rushed for that many yards so far. So, yes, he's been scoring some touchdowns lately, but I don't know. He just hasn't looked too – not promising, but just solid. And he hasn't been getting that many attempts. You know, he's sharing the workload um, with the other Washington backs. So, he's gotten like nine attempts a couple times. You know, he's, and then the most amount of rushing yards he's had is 55, and that was against Arizona. And then even the receiving, which they thought maybe he'd be more of a receiving threat, has only had three catches. That was the most amount of catches he got in a game for 11 yards, and that was the last week against Cleveland. So now he's going against Baltimore's defense, which Baltimore's defense did not look good last week against Kansas City. That was more their pass defense. Um, the rush defense, you know, Clyde still had a pretty good game, but for the most part, they did rush defense looked pretty good the pass defense didn't so but Baltimore's rush defense against Washington's offense especially the running backs I think Baltimore defense will be able to stop them and pretty much dominate that game so if you were playing Gibson in the flex or wherever you had him I would say just sit him for this week see how he does if he does well against the Baltimore D then play him in the future but I think you know he may not um you know do well this week so those are my sit-ums and Castle. I know you've been waiting patiently, so let's hear your picks. Thank you, Steve. So my first sit-um is someone who I have on my team. Um, unfortunately, I cannot afford to sit him because of my running back situation. However, if you can sit him, sit him this week, and that is Mr. Todd Gurley. Now, I, I've been a fan of Gurley so far this season. However, if we take a look at what he did last week, that's what's giving me problems wanting to start him. So last week, Gurley had 14 carries for 80 yards, and he did have a touchdown, which is good. He also averaged 5.7 yards for carry, which was very nice. However, Ryan Hill was the story of the running back of the running game for the Falcons last week, as he also got a touchdown, but he averaged 6.4 yards per carry and he had nine carries for 58 yards. So taking a look at that, 
I look at this Atlanta team overall and just, you know, you look at them and you see what, even without Julio Jones, they're still trying to utilize the air game as much as they can. So I definitely, I definitely see them doing that, but overall they're going against green Bay and we all know how teams do going into Lambeau. So I'm not taking a look at that uh, of how Gurley did last week going into this week. If you can afford to sit Gurley, sit him. But if you absolutely need to start him, he's a flex number two running back at most. My second sit him for this week. Now, here's the deal with the second guy. He's not a guy who I assume is is the top tight end in a lot of your leagues. But I know he's a guy that people still have, which is why I'm bringing him up. And that's Kyle Rudolph. Now, here's the deal with Kyle Rudolph. You, you look at him a couple years ago, he was a very great tight end for the Minnesota Vikings, putting up solid numbers, was a great weapon. Now you look at the guy this year, guy only got a touchdown, I believe, last week. So has been putting up the great numbers that he should be. And then if you look at his matchup this week, Vikings are playing Houston at home. Now, Houston's defense, obviously, with, without Watt, they're not what they could be. But a guy like Rudolph, you know, Kirk Cousins is working with other offensive pieces like Jefferson. So if you, if you can swap Rudolph, swap him. I don't think he's going to break 10 points this week. But if you have to start him, know that it's going to be a tough game. And also in general – Rudolph is not a great option. I'm not a big fan of Kirk Cousins. I think he's a really streaky quarterback. Try to avoid Rudolph throughout the entire season if you can, but especially this week, he's a big set for me. Yeah, I can agree with that. So, Castle, those were interesting picks. And, I mean, all of us, I think, uh, had some interesting picks for both starting and sitting. So, for all those fantasy um, owners out there, fantasy players, you know, Listen to us, don't listen to us, but I think uh, what we said are pretty reasonable, you know, um, reasons why that you should start these guys or sit these guys. So it'll be interesting to see how it fares out for uh, week four, week four already. So it's almost a quarter of the season's about to be done. So that's crazy. I mean, we're October 1st today, so pretty soon we'll be right in the middle of the season. So, um, but that pretty much wraps up our show today you know we talked a lot discussed a lot especially within uh everything going on in new york the world of sports in new york so um it's definitely a fun episode so for everyone listening thank you um make sure to listen to it make sure to keep following up on our social media at the three peat podcast you know we post daily um so just make sure to keep up with that keep listening and uh, we, you know, we enjoy making these shows for you. So uh, as long as you keep listening, we'll keep making. So uh, I'm your host, Steve Munazzo. I've been joined with Josh Romwitz and Alex Castle. And that will wrap it up today. So thanks again.